This is episode number 73 with founder of Break Into Data Science, Mark Maloon. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast. Super excited to have you on board. And today we've got a special guest. Mark Maloon is the founder of Break Into Data Science. And what you need to know about Mark is that this is a person who is extremely passionate about giving back to the community. So if you Google questions about data science careers, very likely you will uh, find answers on Quora Quora.com, and very likely those answers will be by Mark Maloon. In fact, that is exactly how I came across Marcos, uh, looking for different opinions on data science careers. And one of the answers was on Quora and was by Mark. And when I looked at his profile, I found that he answers lots and lots of questions about uh, data science, uh, relating to data science careers and how to get the careers and what the different careers entail and what data science, uh, what a career in data science generally is. And so without, a, without any shadow of a doubt, I knew that this is a person that could bring a lot of value to the podcast, and that's exactly what happened. In this episode, we talked about Mark's personal journey in terms of how he got into data science and what specifically inspired him uh, to start blogging about data science careers, start helping others, start answering questions, and uh, create uh, breakintodatascience.com and other uh, sources and resources. And also, of course, we talked about data science careers and some of the questions that Mark uh, has gotten on Quora, some of the more interesting ones. And finally, Mark is an expert on helping people set up their LinkedIn profiles. So he gave us, he was uh, kind enough to share some tips on setting up your LinkedIn profile in a way such that you don't have to look for opportunities anymore, that the opportunities will come to you themselves. So there we go. That's what you will learn from this podcast and, of course, much, much more. And without further ado, I bring to you Mark Maloon, the creator of Break Into Data Science. Welcome, everybody, to the Super Data Science Podcast. Today, I've got a very special guest, Mark Maloon, the founder of BreakIntoDataScience.com. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Well, thank you for having me. So, Mark, it was so exciting to hear back from you because uh, the first time I messaged you was on LinkedIn after I read some of your answers on Quora, where you were helping people how to become data scientists. That was so exciting. Tell us a bit about yourself, like where are you from and what, what do you do? Sure. I am a data scientist at ServiceNow, which is a leading software as a service company, and we make an enterprise-grade workflow management product. And we've got a number of different offices, but I'm based in the Silicon Valley headquarters. And at ServiceNow, I work in the business intelligence group and specifically focus on improving our sales and marketing processes. So stuff like churn reduction and lead scoring and so forth. Um, I've only 
only been with them six months so far, but it's really turned out to be a dream job. And like you just mentioned, in addition to my day job, I field questions about job hunting for data scientists on Quora, LinkedIn, Facebook. And in the next couple of months, I'll be using my blog, which is simply markmaloon.com as the central hub for all my data science content. Uh, it's it's uh, I've got a blog there right now, but um, I'm going to be posting a lot more information there, and uh, I'll still be active on Quora and LinkedIn and so forth, but what I'm going to do is link my popular posts from uh, my main site, my blog, so that you know if I post something on Quora, I'll post a little blurb on, on my blog and say, hey, I, I wrote this uh, answer on Quora. It's gotten a lot of upvotes. Uh, why don't you check it? So that way, people don't have to try to follow me everywhere. Fantastic. And I'm, so, I'm very excited that you mentioned Quora because... Uh, and like your answers on Quora and how you feel these questions. It's, it's just fascinating to see. I was very impressed by your answers. And I'm just going to, uh, just for the benefit of our listeners, so that uh, you guys get a sense of what, uh, what kind of like questions we're talking about and what Mark's expertise is in. I'm just going to read some of the titles of the questions that Mark answered on Quora. For instance, um, do you need a PhD to become a data scientist? What kind of career progression can one come to expect being uh, a data scientist? What work does a data scientist do 80% of his or her time? To be more specific, what is the most important task expected of a data scientist? Does it, take, does it make sense for a data scientist to learn Python after gaining proficiency in R? Is it not better to learn Java for production purposes? I have six months to learn data science. Should I study as many courses as I can or just get onto Kaggle and practice? And more and many, many more. So I'm just going through the list here on Quora. There's like uh, dozens of questions that Mark has answered. And that is very, very exciting because it's very helpful to people. Like even I found some very valuable information on uh, how people can approach data science. And I hope you don't mind, Mark. I've uh, borrowed some of your ideas to... Uh, share with students or people who have asked me how to get into data science. And I thought, you know, it, it's just going to be easier to get you onto the podcast so you can share all the vast uh, experience and knowledge that you have so people have this one place where I, where I can um, uh, tell people to go to listen to you speak. So tell us a bit about why. So the, the, main, the first question comes to mind is like, why do you uh, go out of your way to help people uh, to answer these questions for people and help people get into data science and find the right career paths for themselves? Well, there's really uh, two main reasons why. And number one is there is a bias in uh, hiring uh, for, you know, hiring data scientists that they have a master's or a PhD. And I don't think that's really the best way to go. I think people with a bachelor's and with passion, and especially if they have some kind of experience, uh, I, you know, they make very good data scientists. You, you don't really need a PhD, you know, PhD level mathematics or something like that in order to do good data science. So because there's this bias, I want to counteract that, you know, and give beginning data scientists uh, an edge in the uh, in the job seeking process so they stand out from the other uh, applicants. But the other reason is that I had to figure out how to be hired as a data scientist myself. And very briefly, when I came out of school, I got a job with a small defense contractor and I was there for 13 years. It was a great job. That was where I actually 
became you know experienced data science because my uh, my schooling I didn't do anything with that at all, and so I worked there for 13 years, and then I decided to go off and start my own company, and I had done that for two years, and believe it or not, it was social media marketing, and I wanted to bring the power of data science to the small business, but I found that working by myself didn't really suit me, so after two years, I, I shut the business down and went back into the corporate world, and I'll never forget that I had a conversation with a recruiter who specialized in uh, placing analytics jobs, and so I sent her my resume and I was on the phone with her and I said, okay, well, now that you know a little bit about me, can you recommend me to some employers and, and connect me? And she said, no. And I thought, well, what the heck? You know, cause I was, I was a, you know, a star performer at my previous job and I asked her why, you know, and she said, well, uh, you know, your earlier I understand that you did some data science in your earlier career, but your job title was senior analyst, not data science. And then you took two years off here to do your own thing. And now you're trying to come back into the hottest field. Um, I think your skills are probably out of date. And quite frankly, I think you're unhirable. I think you're a mid-career scientist, you know, who's trying to break into something that they don't necessarily know anything about. And quite frankly, I couldn't make any money off you. And so, you know, I was shocked, but I realized that I got that first job right out of school, and this was in uh, late uh, the late 90s, and since that time, uh, the internet had really changed how one looks for a job. And I, you know, I coming out of school, you know, job companies seek you out rather than the uh, the opposite. And so I realized, wow, I don't really have any job seeking skills. So I had to develop those, and especially I had to come up with a good story for what I had been doing those last couple of years, and and why I'm still a relevant data scientist. And so uh, a lot of effort, you know, a lot of research on how to get a job, especially as a data scientist. And I don't really want other people to have to go through that because it, it took a lot of effort. And so now that I've developed a, uh, a system for myself, you know, I'm eager to share that with other people because it made a huge, huge difference for me. Okay. No, no, that's a, that's a fantastic story. And there's so much in it. I, I hope we'll go through a lot of those elements in the podcast, but the, probably the first thing that popped uh, into, into my mind when you were describing this was that having your own business is you you realize that that wasn't for you and that's that's a very big thing to kind of say and to like to admit to yourself and it's a very important thing as well because i find that a lot of people uh, are chasing this idea of that they have to have their own business have to work for themselves and ultimately it's uh, it's a very different type of different type of work different type of lifestyle different type of you know problems that you have to solve and uh, that's that's what i also keep saying to people that, uh, you know, like students that sometimes maybe you you are much going to be much more happier being the best, like a really good data scientist or the best in that specific area that you're in and progressing your career there rather than going out there and trying to start your own business. So I really appreciate that example and uh, you sharing that, that, you know, you start your own business, you, you gave it a go, you put everything into it and then you thought, oh, actually, no, I'm, I'm happier doing what I'm passionate about, which is data science. So that that was really uh, powerful for me. But now, like moving back to the the issue that was there, that uh, the recruiter was uh, kind of like reluctant to help you out. That's also a, a interesting case that even though you know you have the skills and you know you can do the job, the the person, the in-between person um, that makes these introductions, that uh, helps you find jobs, they are not confident about that. Uh, they, they have a different mindset about that. So you go off and you create 
these opportunities for yourself. And so LinkedIn is probably one of the most uh, powerful tools right now to use. So would you say that uh, aspiring data scientists have to have a LinkedIn? Just just to clarify for everybody listening on this podcast, if you don't have a LinkedIn, Mark, what do you say to people who don't have a LinkedIn right now? Well, they, they've definitely got to, um, got to do that. And uh, they really need to put some serious effort into making their uh, LinkedIn profile really good. And I can tell you that in my last few job searches, I have not reached out to anyone that they have all come to me, you know, whether it's hiring managers or whether it's, uh, you know, recruiters. And, you know, quite frankly, I've just been inundated with uh, people reaching out to me. And so, but that's because I put a lot of effort into my uh, LinkedIn profile, you know, first of all, making it so that recruiters who are doing a search can find me, but then also making a compelling case for myself that'll have them reach out to me and ask for my resume or ask for a phone call or something like that. So absolutely, you've got to have a profile and, you know, put some effort into it too. I I have a lot of people reaching out to me on LinkedIn and Facebook and so forth. And they, uh, you know, ask me if uh, we have a job or we're hiring for interns or full-time people at uh, ServiceNow where I work. And I take a look at their LinkedIn profile and, you know, a lot of them are really terrible. I had one guy just, uh, I think it was last week who reached out to me and said, you know, and put a link to an opening we had do have at ServiceNow and said, can you refer me for this position? And First of all, I don't know the guy, so I wouldn't have referred him anyhow. But secondly, I took a look at the job description. It was for a senior data scientist. And so I looked at his profile, and his tagline was data science intern. And yeah. I said, whoa, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not recommending you from an internship to a, uh, you know, a, a senior data scientist. And he wrote back and said, well, you know, I have uh, three years experience in, in the field. And so I took another look at his LinkedIn profile. And yeah, sure enough, um, he has, before his internship, he does have three years experience, but I completely missed that the first time around just because, you know, because he had listed himself as a data science intern, which yeah. is, I'm a believer that regardless of your experience, you know, you ought to call yourself a data scientist, um, you know, if that's where you want to be. You know, you may you may be a data scientist who's currently unemployed, and I see a lot of people who list seeking data science opportunities or, you know, data science enthusiast. And I just, you know, I tell people, no, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta remove that. It makes you sound like an amateur. It makes you sound desperate. And so, yeah, like I said, I completely missed that this guy had uh, several years experience just because his profile was not very clear and he didn't put the important stuff up front. So I know that's kind of a long answer to your question, but yeah, LinkedIn is critical because that's where you're going to get your opportunities from. And even if people don't reach out to you and you submit an application somewhere else, the first thing they're going to do is look at your LinkedIn profile. Exactly, exactly. And I totally agree with this um, notion of seeking opportunities and not just in data science, in anything. Like like uh, I've, I've seen uh, titles such as seasoned executive seeking new opportunities or somebody somebody see it, it does come off as a bit desperate and i personally wouldn't put it there i would i would just put the title of the job like for yourself the title of the job that you're aspiring towards it's not necessary like if you're you want to be a data scientist and uh, your current position is a, um, a data analyst or your previous position was data analyst you can still put data scientist and you know it just it shows that that's what you want to be that's who you're aspiring towards and and then, and then slowly you add more stuff to your LinkedIn as you do more courses or as you have some more experience. And that uh, will, and also it'll give you, it'll be like a guiding force for you. So you know that's, that's what I want. That's what I want on my LinkedIn. 
one thing that I'm sorry, one thing that people don't realize is that one of the important things about a LinkedIn profile is coming up with keywords. And these are, I mean, keywords are key phrases um, that people may be searching for. So a lot of people for their tagline do put down their job title or something like that. But I advise people, look, just sprinkle it with a couple of keywords. So when I was looking for my last job, my, uh, my tagline was data scientist, vertical bar, predictive analytics, vertical bar, uh, you know, machine learning. And so that's not, that's not a job title, but, you know, I put in three different keywords that I knew people would be searching for because it turns out LinkedIn's algorithm is such that, you know, one of the things, your profile will be ranked highly uh, the more keywords you have in your, well, not the more keywords, but, you, you know, as long as you have some keywords in a couple of important strategic sections and that tagline is one of them. Okay. Yeah, no, no, totally agree with that. And that's very powerful. I think I would love to get some of your LinkedIn tips. We'll get to that back to back to that in a bit. Uh, let's for now. Let's just go through some of the most common questions that you've had in uh, you know on Quora or other places that I, like I'm kind of interested in. I, I know I, I probably didn't give you a heads up about this, but I'm, I'm sure it should be fine. You you comfortable to jump through a few of your questions on Quora? Sure. Okay, so one that really stands out is, do you need a PhD to become a data scientist? You, you've already mentioned that the answer is no, but could you elaborate on that a bit more and like give a bit uh, of comfort to the people to the people listening who are always worried or always heard that now you need a PhD to be a data scientist and things like that? Yeah, that's that's a great question. In fact, I was on a uh, panel recently at uh, Galvanize in San Francisco, which is one of these data science boot camps, um, and that question came up. And the answer is no, you don't need a PhD to become a data scientist. But as I mentioned earlier, there is a bias towards them. And for a lot of people, a lot of beginning data scientists, they don't really understand why. And the reason why is because a PhD demonstrates that you have some experience solving problems that aren't necessarily spoon fed to you. You know, in a lot of courses, there is projects and there's homework sets and so forth. But the, uh, you know, the data is oftentimes cleaned and prepared for you. A lot of times, they tell you exactly what algorithm to use and so forth. And as you know, that's not what the real world is like at all. So when you get a PhD, you have to do independent research to, you know, do your dissertation. And so when people see a PhD, they already know that these people have experience working on projects. And similarly with a master's, you know, people have to develop a master's thesis. So you know, obviously what you want to do if you have a bachelor's is you have to demonstrate that experience as well. And, you know, you can either do that through previous job experience, professional job experience, or if you don't have that, if you're coming right out of school, then doing your own personal projects is critical because that will demonstrate that you have experience acquiring data, uh, doing the data munging process, uh, trying to figure out how to take a general problem and cast it into a uh, data science problem that's interesting and solvable, and then also communicating your results. So, you know, these projects that I recommend people do are, you know, more than a few weeks in, in length. They should be a couple of months. You know, it should take you uh, some effort, you know, and the projects that I think are best are these end-to-end -end projects where you have to acquire the data and do all these sorts of steps because that will demonstrate that that you've done real data science problems. So, yeah, you don't need a PhD, but, you know, it, without that, you do need to have some sort of projects or portfolio or something that you can demonstrate, hey, I can do this too. And the PhD isn't really necessary. It's the experience that's necessary. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And so, uh, yeah, so basically people just need to 
not like a PhD is a is a kind of a stamp of approval that this person knows how to do research, knows how to do experience, and you just need to find other ways to do that to to demonstrate that you have that, and you'll be fine. So yeah, no, exactly. Totally agree with that answer. Uh, and an interesting another interesting one you had uh, on Quora was uh, what what is uh, a senior data scientist like? Not just a data scientist, but a senior data scientist. Yeah, that's a great question, because I know that on there, you know, there were a couple of other people who said, oh, it's just a marketing term, you know, there's no difference. But my experience has been that it's considerably different. And to give you an example, I do a lot of data science, you know, I I do a lot of machine learning, that's day to day what I do. But another important part of my job is giving presentations, uh, working with and together with subject matter experts. And so uh, a senior data scientist, oftentimes, is responsible for, um, you know, in in data science, there's this process called CRISP-DM, which uh, talks about starting off with business understanding, turning it into data understanding, then data preparation and modeling and so on and so forth. And so a a junior data scientist will probably be given just the machine learning part, you know, doing the modeling, you know, maybe some data cleaning and so forth. But the senior data scientist really needs to be good at the entire scope, you know, the whole end-to-end process. And so a lot of times customers or stakeholders or, you know, people who you are doing this project for, they have only a vague sense of what they want. And so you have to sit down with them and figure out, okay, based on this vague idea, which they oftentimes haven't really thought through in great detail, how can I convert that into a data science problem? And so there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of thinking about, okay, what's doable and what's important, you know, and then at the end, you know, there's also this part about, communicating your results in a in not only a clear manner but also one that's compelling that so that the the stakeholders you know the decision makers will actually take action you know and so for me that's the really big difference is that the, the junior data scientists can focus on some of the some of the details of modeling and uh, data preparation but the senior data scientist has to be able to do that but pl- plus a whole lot more mm-hmm Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with that. That's uh, that's a good, pretty apt description. I think uh, that's uh, that's how it is in uh, consulting firms as well. So that's that's uh, that's valuable. And and another one uh, to finish off is uh, an interesting one. I think. What are some data science interview questions, and do they include algorithm questions? Oh yeah, um, you know it's funny. There's a a blog post by Erin Shellman, who is uh, you know a well-known data scientist online, and uh, she has a great article called um, "Crushing It." You know how to be, you know how to prepare for data science interviews or something like that. And she starts off her blog post saying, you know, data scientists, data science is interdisciplinary, which is code for you need to know everything about everything. Which <laughs> you know, in some sense, is kind of true. You know, you go to some interviews and it's uh, all about optimization, you know, and you go to another one, it's about game theory and so forth. So the why, you know, there's a wide, wide range of questions you can be asked in interviews. But what I find is that the majority of interview questions are about how well do you know the basics of popular machine learning algorithms? So it's not necessary to have a huge breadth of knowledge of algorithms, you know, some esoteric ones, but you really do need to know, you know, linear regression, classification regression trees, you know, Bayesian uh, approaches. You need to know those pretty well that you can know when to use those, you know, what are some of the drawbacks uh, and certainly be able to explain them. So those are 
a lot of interview questions that come up. You know, a lot of times when you are going for site interviews, they'll have you do whiteboard exercises and there, you know, you'll have to, they'll give you again, a problem that may or may not be fully defined. And so you're going to have to figure out how to go about solving that and, you know, what questions and assumptions you can make. And then there's the, uh, you know, a, a lot of times, and, and uh, hopefully your well, uh, hopefully your viewers have uh, encountered this a little bit, because one of the later steps of the interview process is when they give you take-home problem sets, and these are typically three to five hours timed problem sets where they give you data and they give you a problem and they want to see you solve it and write up your answer, and there. What I found is that it's really critical to have good data munging skills because you can spend a lot of that three or five hours just trying to prepare the data. So that's not necessarily an interview question, but that's certainly a skill that uh, you really need to have uh, a good handle on during the uh, the interview process. Mm, okay, that's interesting. So uh, what what would you say then is the difference between machine learning and data science and is there a space for data scientists without machine learning skills? Um, yeah, actually, that's a really good question because a lot of people in the industry tend to use those as synonyms for each other. And what I would say is that machine learning is a part of data science. It's an important part, but yeah, it is. It is. It is just a part because, as I say, data science is largely, you know, like the CRISP DM model, where you have to have a business understanding and you have to be able to cast that in form of a data science problem. You have to work with subject matter experts, and then, you know, once that's all done, and you do the exploratory data analysis, and you acquire the data and all that sort of stuff, then you can turn your attention to the machine learning, which is really focused on a lot of algorithms and trying to figure out, you know, evaluate the performance of your models and refine those and you know try to speed those up and then after that comes the uh, you know the communication of the results which again I don't feel is part of machine learning but is absolutely a part of data science so as for as far as your question is there a room for data science scientists who aren't that good at machine learning it depends. You know, for a junior role, no. I mean, you need to be really good at machine learning. Uh, for a more senior role, it is possible, I believe, to have less of a detailed knowledge. You certainly need to know the pros and cons of machine learning techniques and when to use them and, you know, key concepts like overfitting and data leakage and things like that. But if you're a senior data scientist or, you know, you're a data savvy manager, you know, those become less important and some of these other larger, more top level issues um, become important. So I would say it's it behooves everyone to be good at, at machine learning, but there, it, it is possible to be a, uh, you know, a data scientist uh, without a strong machine learning background, but you know, getting hired uh, as that is is another another story because a lot of the questions you get you have to field during the interview process for a data scientist are going to be machine learning questions. Okay, okay, so that's interesting. I I'm I won't one hundred percent agree with you on that one. Like I agree in terms of the interview that uh, people will need, uh, like people will be asked sometimes machine learning questions when uh, even they probably don't have the expertise or are not expecting them. Uh, but at the same time, I think there, there's still a space for people or students who, uh, or data scientists who are not necessarily uh, into like machine learning algorithms and into all of that sophisticated, very sophisticated, highly technical stuff, but who are more creative, who are better at, for instance, visualization, who are better at storytelling, who are better 
at you know taking a problem, dissecting it, or maybe somebody's just good at data preparation, not the machine learning part, but the data preparation, or maybe like visualization with Tableau, Power BI, you can still get some really uh, impressive results without having that machine learning uh, aspect to it. But I will, I do agree with you that uh, you need to f look for the right jobs if you're that type of person. And you need to, when you're on the interview, you need to uh, make sure you convey the value you can bring, even though that you're not, uh, you don't have these machine learning skills per se, but you can bring value through Tableau or through Power BI. And uh, for instance, or through SQL, uh, for instance, like so many jobs on uh, when I was back at Deloitte during my consulting times and so many jobs didn't even require the machine learning algorithms. Like, for instance, I knew a couple and even before I knew uh, lots more, I was able to uh, deliver huge projects or uh, contribute to huge projects just through the power of uh, Tableau, SQL, Excel and uh, you know a couple of other tools even without going into the machine learning side of things. So would you say that's kind of like a, a fair comment? Yes, actually, that's that's a really good point. Um, it, it really does depend on the position that you're interviewing for. But I, I am certainly a, a very big proponent on, like you said, visualization, storytelling. Those are really where the the real wins are in data science. And I tell people, you know, you could be brilliant at machine learning, but if you can't communicate it in a interesting and compelling way that will have decision makers take action, then, you know, there's a big question. Are you really providing value to the organization? And so, yeah, I would say, you know, I encourage people when they're looking for data science jobs to develop these other skills and to uh, to use them to stand out from the crowd. And just one example, I encourage people that if they are invited to a site interview, that they volunteer to give a presentation because, you know, that's something that, you know, communication is very important. And if you can, as long as you're even passable at giving presentations, the employer is going to be impressed with the fact that you realize that, storytelling and communication is important and visualization and they'll appreciate your confidence in being being willing to demonstrate that so absolutely yeah i, I agree with what you said that uh, that's really where the meat is and you know there's a lot of people coming out of school with machine learning expertise so how are you going to stand out from the crowd if everyone's taking the same courses you have well you know this uh, what you described the whole understanding the uh, you know casting the problem into a data science problem and then communicating your results and you know there's so many libraries and packages out there now that do a lot of the machine learning heavy lifting for you you know scikit-learn you know the R packages on CRAN uh, now we've got uh, TensorFlow which is expanding its capabilities so again knowing the real nuts and bolts of machine learning is becoming you know less important than uh, how you actually use those tools and what problems you actually solve. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's a great, great example. A great, some great examples. So when people come out of uh, universities, they have these uh, machine learning skills a, a lot of the time. But then storytelling is important. And I really liked what you said about if you're invited to an interview, you should volunteer to do a presentation uh, at the interview. That that's I haven't heard that before. That's a and sounds like a great tip actually. Like something that will make you stand out. Can you <laughs> give us a little more detail? Like how would someone go about that like they get an invitation to an interview and then what do you do do you say hey actually i want to also present while i'm at the interview how do you do that 
Yeah, I mean, I would tell them as soon as they make the invite, um, you know, a lot of times they'll list off a timeline for, you know, at 10 o'clock, you're going to interview this person, you're going to interview with this person, 1030, you're going to interview with that person. And I would actually reply back and say, that's great. And I'd love to take uh, 30 minutes and give a presentation on some of the work that I've done, or, you know, maybe a technique that isn't widely known, you know, and just and a lot of times they'll say, Oh, that's a good idea, you know, and and, uh, say, Okay, yeah, we can work that into the schedule. So I would just plain ask them to do that. And as far as what to give for a presentation, if you've done outside projects, that's a perfect example because there's one thing about – there's one thing to actually list a project on your resume or your LinkedIn profile or your personal blog if you have one, but actually – talking about it and fielding questions during a presentation, that's very powerful. And second thing that I would do during presentation is talk about a non-mainstream data science technique. And a lot of times uh, I would talk about either social network analysis or Bayesian networks, which do fall under the heading of data science. But, you know, they're, they're interesting enough that a lot of people don't know them. And I found that data scientists are really eager to learn about new techniques. So those things are inherently interesting and also, again, make you stand out from the crowd. Okay, cool. That's that's really cool. Uh, Tell tell us a bit about uh, Bayesian network analysis. What does that entail? Sure. Um, Bayesian networks are basically probabilistic graphical models. And what that means is that you have a joint probability distribution and you're going to factor that into the variables that are related and are not related. And you can create a uh, what they call a directed acyclic graph of the random variables and draw arcs between them uh, to connect the ones that are dependent on each other and the ones that aren't dependent on each other. And so this is this is an advantage over naive Bayes, where you assume everything is independent. Um, Here you are explicitly calling out the dependencies and how you actually do that. You can build these networks through a combination of learning them via data, but you can also work with a subject matter expert to come up with the structure first and then the conditional probability distributions and stuff like that. You can learn that from data. So I've used those quite a bit, uh, especially when I was working for that uh, in my first job, because it's it's great to be able to take a lot of information and fuse it together you know a lot of weak pieces of information to actually fuse it together into coming up with a strong uh, strong conclusions about something and there are also you know you can use uh, a dynamic version of it called dynamic Bayesian networks to actually model uh, Markov decision processes so you know the number of uh, of uh, problems that you can apply it to is actually pretty, uh, you know, pretty broad. But and yet, a lot of people haven't really heard about the approach. So that's a great example of something where you're teaching uh, a valuable technique, and their eyes open, and they say, "Wow, you know, I wonder if we could apply this to our problems." Mm-hmm. That's that's really cool. And just to to supplement that example, so that's an example for those listening. That's an example of a very uh, kind of like technical for like uh, on the cutting edge of. Uh, what's being applied in data science uh, uh, model. And again, if you are one of those people who are not into machine learning, who are not you know, that uh, technical, you, you, you want to be a data scientist, but you, you're good at presentation, you're good at other things, maybe visualization and, and, and SQL, and there's lots of things to be good at. There's still things that you can showcase. And so I'm going to give two examples. One is of a student I recently met when I was in Florence, and it was really cool 
actually hopefully I'll, I'll get him uh, on uh, I'll get Elvin Emmanuel on the podcast and what he did is he basically just took the um, visualizations we were creating in the Tableau course and in the Tableau advanced course uh, and he put them onto I think Tableau public and that's it and then he he just brought those visualizations or sent those visualizations to uh, the people that he was being interviewed by, and they just had a look, and they saw that he can solve sophisticated problems in a very, very visual manner, and they were very impressed. And the second example is from my personal experience, from when I was interviewing for uh, my job um, at the uh, pension fund in Australia, just after my consulting time, and there what I did is I took some of the work that I did in consulting. Of course, I desensitized everything. I removed, uh, like I made it such that it's, it's just showcased the, the techniques that I used. And then I actually printed those out as, um, uh, and of course, once again, they were completely desensitized. So the numbers and uh, names, everything was uh, different. But I printed those out and I brought to the interview. And I at the end of the interview, after I answered all the questions, after uh, you know, behavioral questions, uh, theoretical, mathematical questions, whatever they had, questions on tools and such. And just before the end, to completely concrete in this uh, opportunity to like cement it in to make sure they're 100% impressed and that they are hooked, I pulled this out of my bag and I said, this is the work I've done before. This is what it looks like. These are the things I can create and these are the things I can bring to your organization. And from that moment, I knew they were hooked. I knew that that's it, that like we're going to be uh, we're going to have a great partnership together and we're going to create some amazing things. So that, that's that adding that extra uh, to the interview process, something that they're not expecting, always makes you stand out. So thank you so much for sharing that, Mark. Mm, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, um, anything that'll make you stand out like that, delivering solid business value, you know, that'll get them, get their attention because they've interviewed a lot of people before and they've, you know, uh, they've all answered the same machine learning questions, but then emphasizing that you are more than that, that you are a data scientist, you know, definitely is appealing to them. Okay, fantastic. And now it, uh, I think uh, we've uh, discussed quite a lot of interview parts uh, and questions and things, you know, what to expect and career-wise. Now let's take a step back. Let's talk about some of your LinkedIn tips. We already started talking about that, but I think this is this is the right time to go into detail and depth on that. Uh, like you're definitely a LinkedIn guru, and you know if people who are downloading that should check out Mark's profile. And you know if, if anything, you can just learn a lot of things just by looking at that. Can you share with us some of your uh, top LinkedIn tips that people can take and action already today? Yeah. You know, first of all, and this is something that very few people know or do, you know, in LinkedIn, the very first section is your summary section. Mm -hmm. And I look at most people's summary and it's all about them and I'm good at this and, and I can do that. And what you really need to understand in the job search uh, process is that these companies have a problem and they need it solved. And so in the summary section, I use a, uh, a generic formula called problem agitate solve and so the first thing I do my first sentence is I repeat back to them do you have this problem if I remember correctly my last job search I wrote something along the lines of do you feel like you're falling behind in the data science revolution and 
that will resonate with a lot of people because they do feel that way, even if they have a data science capability already. So, you know, I would start off with that, uh, you know, do you have this problem? And then the second sentence was a bold, I solved this. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I let you know that I am the solution to your problem. And then, uh, you know, I list a couple of reasons why, uh, why you should believe that. In this case, the problem and, and the agitate were the same thing. So you start off with, do you have this problem? And then you get them to really think about, oh, this is really a problem that I need to have solved ASAP. You know, you kind of, uh, the term is twist the knife. You mm. know, you you know, you know, let them know about a problem and you, then you convince them, look, you can't let this pass any, any longer. You've got to take action. And then, of course, the action is I solve this and here's the reason why you ought to believe me. Yeah. So it's, it's a, you know, it's a different uh, approach. It's, you know, most people's LinkedIn summary is very focused on themselves. Whereas if you write it in this manner, it's focused on the company and their problems. And of course, that gets their attention right away because, you know, it's, it's showing that you understand their problems and, um, that's really what they're looking for. They're looking for a solution for their problems. So that is one tip I would say so, right off the so bat. So just is, on that one, you, sorry, you talk directly yeah. to the recruiter or directly to the person. You're like, it's not just you're writing a billboard. You're writing specifically to the person reading as if it's like a conversation yes. you're having. Yes, that's yes, powerful. exactly. That's, that's, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Um, the second thing, as I mentioned already, coming up with keywords and sprinkling those in the uh, in your profile in the appropriate places and. Now there's you you want to do this to the right degree you know there were pump people in in the past who would just stuff the, their profile yeah. with full of keywords to the point where it was almost unintelligible and that's not where you know you want to go but I encourage people to pick two or three keywords and again when I say keywords I you know I can I mean sort of key phrases like data science that's two words but I call that a keyword so putting those in your in your tagline putting those in your summary section, putting those in the uh, the titles of the first two jobs that you've held. And, you know, we, we talked about this earlier, where even if your job description uh, or your job title was not data scientist, you know, if you did data science, you should put that in there. And mm -hmm. one of my past jobs, my title was Boy, senior analyst slash business architect. You know, well, what the hell does that mean? You know, and, and, you know, what I did was data science. So, you know, I changed the title to, I think I changed it to senior analyst slash data scientist. You know, because again, I knew that that would help me come up in uh, search rankings when people did a search for data science. So that is another thing, and uh, th those are. Some oh I, I would oh uh, and then the third tip that I would give people is to use a professional uh, headshot a really good looking headshot and you know this seems like something that shouldn't matter like maybe it's a, a a cheap trick or something like that you know I've put in a professional photo of myself which you know not only was taken professionally but I actually had a uh, graphic designer friend of mine actually put a background of a uh, uh, a blackboard full of mathematical equations uh, that was not part of the original shot he photoshopped that in okay. um, you know he and he also um, cleaned up some of the things on my face, like I had some oily sheen, so he cleaned that up and so forth. And so now my photo looks pretty good. And again, that gives me the impression of uh, of being very professional. And again, you wouldn't think that would matter, but it really does. And I see a lot of people's LinkedIn profiles, and 
they look amateurish and that then carries over to how I view their profile. Oh, this is just someone who doesn't really have much experience and they're not really a professional yet. They're still in training. Uh, you know, I think I'll pass on that. So those are probably three of the most important LinkedIn tips that I can offer. And I actually have uh, a lot of tips that on, on LinkedIn, because as you say, you know, I'm, I'm pretty skilled with it. I, I was actually interviewed as part of a general job seeking program that someone sold actually for a thousand dollars. And an interview with me via Skype was one of the, uh, you know, one of the modules in there. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of tips that I've actually put down into a, a whopping 17 page that is is free you know i put that available on my website markmaloon.com where i go through and describe some of the things that i've already mentioned here but uh, other tips as well so you know i encourage i encourage uh every data scientist to download that especially because it's free and and start implementing those uh those suggestions because they can make a really big difference well thanks a lot mark that's first of all those three tips are really super valuable uh the summary section uh, and then coming up with keywords for the title and using a professional headshot. And also thanks a lot for sharing the 17-page uh, report for free. That's that's really cool. So guys listening to this, you can get it at markmaloon.com. I'm just checking it out here on the right. There's like a uh, a box where you can download that uh, report. And uh, yeah, probably get some really valuable tips from there. Okay, so that's... Uh, that's how that's how you structure your LinkedIn profile. Plus, of course, you know there's just three things. Plus, you know there's <laughs> 17 pages of uh, of um, uh, other tips that you have. Probably will get people up to speed on that. And uh, now, now, how do you get people to come to your LinkedIn profile? You said that a lot of the time people actually uh, you d- when you were looking for a job previously, you didn't have to go and engage recruiters yourself. They came to you. How do you make that happen? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, part of that is by using, you know, sprinkling those keywords in the appropriate section because a lot of, you know, there's such a demand now for data scientists that recruiters and hiring managers are doing search using LinkedIn's, uh, you know, search uh, engine. And, you know, if you put those uh, keywords in the right area, you'll come up high in the rankings. Another thing is that there is a paid option for LinkedIn, which is, uh, I believe it's called Job Seeker, you know, package. And I think that's you know last time i looked it's it was around 30 dollars a month which is you know which is is somewhat of a cost but what it does is it makes you it affects the uh, it basically affects your chances of getting found if you, if you have one of these when someone does a search for you uh your profile has a better chance of appearing on page one uh you know that's just that's just one of the uh, the benefits that linkedin offers you you know if you pay a little bit of money so those are those are those are two um things i would say for helping yourself get found another thing and this is something that i honestly didn't do as much as i would now if i if i knew now what i did what i if i knew then what i knew now um is to be active on uh, publishing content on LinkedIn. And there's, you know, there are people out there who will take third-party articles and post it on the timeline. And, you know, that's one approach, but 
I recommend that if you're going to do that, and I and I do recommend that you do that, that you add in a paragraph or so of your own thoughts yes. and interpretations, right? So it's you know you're because you want to showcase yourself. You don't want to necessarily showcase whatever is in this third-party article. Now, granted, you want to pick articles that are interesting, but you you want to put your own spin on it and let people know that you do know what's what's being talked about, and also express your you know your philosophy and demonstrate your knowledge of it. So that's one thing. There's also now the ability to create long-form blog posts on LinkedIn through something called LinkedIn Publisher. So I encourage people to do that. And uh, and lastly, you know, something that I have done, which worked out really well, has worked out really well, is when other people post the articles and and things in the uh, the timeline that you respond to them, you know, with insightful comments. Again, not like a sentence or two, but I, you know, typically I know that the character count is 1,000 characters because I've written long, long replies to people yep. um, and then had to cut it back in order to, to fit yeah. it in there. But again, people recognize that, oh, wow, this person really knows what they're talking about and they have a lot of insight into this problem. So, you know, it's natural then to take a look at the profile and see, find out more about this person who wrote all this great stuff. Okay, no, that's, that's some fantastic advice. And yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for for sharing that. Okay, uh, I think that that uh, is some very good uh, tips on uh, LinkedIn uh, and how to uh, make sure you're recognized and that people who do find you, because people will find you, if you're, especially if you're applying for jobs, as you said, Mark, they'll come to your profile anyway, to make sure that those people are impressed and they, they realize that that is what you're looking for. And like, just, just to kind of like conclude, would you agree, Mark, that your LinkedIn profile has to constantly adapt it has to constantly change especially while you're looking for a job it has to match the type of roles that you're applying for if you're applying for you know roles in machine learning that specifically focus machine learning it has to have machine learning keywords throughout if you're a few then you change your mind or you know like six months down the track you're now applying for jobs in the space of data science or analytics or maybe this is your next time you're applying for jobs that you're applying for jobs in the space of data science and like visualization storytelling and sql and things like that then you need to tailor, redo your whole LinkedIn profile and retailor it towards that. Would you agree with that comment? Yeah, I would. You know, that's a really good point that one thing that I encourage people is, is look through the job listings of those companies that you're interested in. Notice the words that they use, notice the phrases that they use, and then repeat them back to the, to, you know, to them in your LinkedIn profile. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, I encourage people to do some some solid research, you know, into the companies that uh, and the types of roles that they're really interested in, and uh, you know, learn more about what their phrasing is. And just as a simple example, you know, do you want to put down text mining as one of your skills or NLP? And uh, you know, the, uh, and a lot of times, you know, there's there is a difference between the two, but um, a lot of times people use them interchangeably. So you want to look through some some job descriptions and see in the particular type. Of of work that you want to do, which one is more prevalent, and then put that in your in your profile. And yeah, I am a big believer in overhauling your profile. And one of the neat things about uh, LinkedIn is that it shows you how you know, especially in the job seeker profile, it shows you how many people are looking at your profile and uh, you know who they are. And so you know, if you just do some basic analytics, you know, maybe just record uh, uh, your weekly number of views in a spreadsheet. You know, you can start to see. You know, it's kind of like A/B testing. You know, you're going to test your 
profile and see which ones are getting, uh, which variations of your profile are getting uh, not only the most number of views, but the more number of people reaching out to you. And there's two things that your profile needs to be good at. One is attracting attention, you know, coming up in searches. But then when people find you, it has to be compelling enough that they'll actually reach out to you. So, you know, there's two, there's two different things there. So trying to get the right balance and trying to figure out the right wording and so forth, you know, that's going to take a little bit of experimentation. Yeah, fantastic. And it's, it's like, um, uh, interesting because you're doing analytics to get an analytics job. It's like, it's like, you, right. you, know, you know, when you're watching a movie and they, na- and they mention the name of the movie in the movie, that type of situation. So yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, all right. So thank you so much for sharing. I've got one question that I'm really interested to get your opinion on, uh, before we wrap up. From your experience, like you've obviously helped so many people get you know their LinkedIn profiles up to speed and understand better about data science careers and where where uh, where they should be, what they should be looking for, what they can be looking for. From your point of view, from everything you've seen, where do you think the field of data science is going, and what should our listeners uh, look into to prepare for the future? Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting question, and um, I've actually been doing more thinking about that lately um, at uh, the job that I'm at because we're starting to think about okay, how can we build up our team? You know, what is wise for us to make our investments in and so forth, and. Honestly, I think there's going to be less of an emphasis on the details of machine learning algorithms and more on things like exploratory data analysis and understanding casting business problems into tractable and useful data science problems, knowing how good an answer needs to be in order to satisfy requirements, and of course, all forms of communication. And a lot of these things we've already discussed in various forms here already in this interview, but I think more and more you know, there, I, I think there's a real, um, well, I don't want to say real danger, but I think some of these more machine learning aspects, you know, are going to become more and more automated. And already there's many high quality libraries that take care of the details for algorithm of, of the algorithms for you, like scikit-learn and the R packages and TensorFlow. And, and then there are these new platforms that aim to be, you know, a so-called data scientist in a box, which try to empower business analysts by automating some of what we data scientists do. And I can see uh, a very near future where a data scientist just needs to know um, the pros and cons of using, say, a gradient boosting machine and maybe just a vague idea of how it works. And, you know, this may this may horrify some purists, but I do think that's the way we're heading. And there's a, there's a school of thought that anything for which there exists a detailed process, whether it's blue-collar or white-collar work, will be automated in the next decade or so. So even though modeling is the sexy part of our sexy scientists or sexy science, it may very well be the first part that gets automated. And you know, I'm sure you and, and your audience have seen uh, flow charts and cheat sheets floating around the web that tell you what modeling technique to try based on how many variables there are, what kind of features you have and so forth. And I think stuff like that is bound to be automated very soon. And, uh, you know, just as a relevant example, just a few weeks ago, Google claimed that they've developed this sort of one model to learn them all, some kind of multi-model that can be applied to a variety of tasks. Now, who knows uh, whether this is this avenue of research is going to go, but if it proves fruitful, the number of useful machine al- learning algorithms may actually dwindle. So I think 
data scientists, especially beginning data scientists in particular, ought to start building up the skills that we've talked about that that'll be hard to automate. Um, first, this will make them stand out from other applicants, and then. Uh, secondly, I think developing these skills will make sure you aren't automated out of a job in five years' time. Fantastic, fantastic! Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, that's, uh, that's some value, very valuable advice there. So, look, guys, look into skills, even in data science, look into skills that are very unlikely or less likely to get automated, and those involve things like creativity, uh, storytelling, understanding not specific, not necessarily the the mathematics behind an algorithm, which is important sometimes, but more importantly, understanding like the intuition behind an algorithm, when to use which algorithm, um, you know, pros and cons like Mark mentioned. So thank you very much, Mark, for sharing that. I wanted uh, to ask you, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on the uh, podcast, and I'm sure lots of people are going to learn a lot uh, from what you had to share. If our listeners would like to contact you, follow you, or uh, maybe give, send you some follow-up questions. What is the best way to find you or uh, to follow your career? Yeah, um, the best way is, uh, as I say, following me on my blog, which right now, if you go look at it, it's a little sparse and there's a, a wide range of topics. But now going forward, I'm going to focus it pretty much exclusively on advice for getting uh, data scientists and the job search process and so forth. So the website is markmaloon.com and that's spelled M-A-R-K. M-E-L-O-O-N, uh, so one L and two O's. And like we discussed, there is already a report on LinkedIn that people can get. There's also a blog post on building a resume specifically for data scientists. But uh, more and more, I'm going to be using that as my central hub for where to where to follow my writings and so forth. As far as asking me follow-up questions, you know, my email address is simply mark, M-A-R-K, at markmaloon.com. So, you know, you feel free to drop me a line, ask me some questions. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm you know, sort of as a as a, a way of keeping up with things, I'm I'm getting more and more people pinging me there. So you know, just look for Mark Maloon, M E L O O N, on LinkedIn. Uh, send me a connection request because I accept all connection requests from data scientists. And then you can send me uh, some follow up questions there, and I should be able to get back to you in a day or two. Fantastic, fantastic. And I I have to mention that Mark has been so modest throughout this podcast. He hasn't even once mentioned this one thing that he's uh, doing, but I know that he's working on a course on uh, how to get a job as a data scientist. I've had the privilege to preview the course and a couple of people from Super Data Science have as well. It's shaping out fantastically, so uh, if you ever have an opportunity to check that out, definitely uh, look into that, and I'm sure Mark's putting some amazing content into that. Uh, sorry, Mark, if I gave him a spoiler alert, but I just couldn't not mention that on the, on the show today. Yeah, you know, that that course, um, It's I recently completed it just a couple of weeks ago. And what I found is, like you said, I, I've been so busy on Quora and LinkedIn and so forth, and I was answering the same questions over and over again. And so I wanted, number one, a central place to put all my knowledge so people don't have to scramble all over the place to try to piece together things. But another thing that I've done with the course is I've what I call operationalized my knowledge. And so there's 
30 some videos in the uh, in the course but there's also along with that there's about 30 worksheets as well because I want to make sure to really lead people step by step it, it's one thing for them to passively get knowledge but then I also want them to take action based on what they've learned so you know there's there's uh, you know that starts off with strategy and you know this is something where a lot of people when they're looking for a job they just jump right into updating their resume and so I tell them in the course no no the first thing you've got to do is um, think strategically come up with how are you going to position yourself are you going to position yourself as an innovative thinker or you know someone who can handle the whole end-to-end process uh, you want to start thinking about what types of of work you want to do what types of problems you want to solve and then position yourself as a solution to that so you know asking the hard questions of yourself like why would someone want to hire me? What are my strengths, really? And so, you know, there's worksheets uh, where, you know, you actually have to do that kind of work. So, you know, I, uh, the whole program, it's actually called breakintodatascience.com. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's a sum uh, total of my knowledge uh, of uh, the process that I've used to get data science jobs, but then also it's really meant as more than just a learning experience, but you actually um, are building up your, your assets uh, along the way. Yeah, no, fantastic, and uh, thanks a lot uh, for taking the time to uh, put your knowledge in, uh, to, to get to that, uh, into uh, something uh, of that magnitude. Yeah, so thanks a lot for coming onto the show. Very, it was very exciting to have you here and sharing some of your um, wisdom nuggets. Uh, I've got one final question for you. What is one book that you would recommend to our listeners to help them become data, better data scientists? Yeah, um, you know, we've talked a lot about the non-machine learning aspects of data science, and I'm, I'm really a proponent of that. And so the book that I recommend that really everyone starts off with is called simply Data Science for Business. And the subtitle is What You Need to Know About Data Mining and Data Analytic Thinking. And it's, uh, it's by uh, Provost and Fawcett. And it focuses on the application of data mining and machine learning to problems in business, which is rarely covered with in books with data science in the title. So the book itself is not organized in terms of algorithms, um, although those are covered, of course, but rather in terms of fundamental concepts. So chapter three, you know, it'll tell you right up front what's the fundamental concept. And then in there, they'll actually describe some example algorithms of, uh, you know, how you would go about solving that business problem. So I I think the subtitle of the book, uh, What You Need to Know About Data Analytic Thinking, is a great description. You know, as I say, most books on data science are about the tools of the trade, and this book is about what you're supposed to use those tools for. And like I said, I recommend that every data scientist read this book, especially you know if they're if they're early on uh, in their in in their pr- uh, process, because it'll help them understand whether data science is really something they're interested in. But it'll also provide powerful context for you know, any other courses or, you know, books that they read on, on the topic. No, f- fantastic. I haven't heard that one recommended before. Could, could you repeat the title again, please? Sure. It's called Data Science for Business, What You Need to Know About Data Mining and Data Analytic Thinking. And uh, the authors are Foster Provost and uh, Tom Fawcett. And mm. it's an easy-to-read book, too. I mean, there are some mathematical details in there, but that's so- somewhat minimized just because there's other books that you know that deal with that well, yeah, yeah. like the elements of statistical learning and so forth. So this is really focusing on, as I say, the general concepts of how do you apply data science to business. 
this. Gotcha, gotcha. And actually, now that uh, I've thought about it, I think maybe one of our guests previously has recommended this one. So yeah, if you haven't checked out this book and you want to learn about you know the general process of behind data science and data science for business, this could be the book you're after. All right, so thank you very much. On that note, uh, we're going to wrap up. Thank you so much, Mark, for coming on the show and sharing all your insights and wisdom and, of course, the story that you personally had. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on the program. It's funny that I was having, just on uh, a couple days ago, I was having lunch with uh, a junior data scientist. And of course, I mentioned, hey, I'm going to be on a podcast in the next couple of days. And he asked, well, which one? And I said, uh, super data science. And he says, oh, I listen to that all the time. So <laughs> oh, so I know you've got a devoted uh, you know, following that uh, you know, gets a lot of value out of, your, uh, out of your podcast. So I'm thrilled to be here. So thanks for inviting me. Amazing. Thank you, Mark. And have a great day. You too. All right, so there you have it. That was Mark Maloon from Break Into Data Science. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Definitely lots of valuable uh, tips and tricks. And my personal favorite was some of the advice that Mark gave on setting up your LinkedIn profile. So uh, he mentioned just three tips on this podcast: uh, you know, the summary section, uh, coming up with the keywords for your title, and using a professional headshot. And of course, he's got many more. So don't forget to head on over to uh, markmaloon.com and download the 17-page um, report on how to set up your LinkedIn profile. And personally, I think that this podcast, in combination with podcast number uh, 69, where we've got uh, Caroline McCall, uh, a recruiter from Sydney, sharing her insights about data science, I think the combination of these two podcasts is very powerful in the sense that it, it can help you understand better how to pursue uh, the search of a career in data science. So Caroline McCall, we talked about overall how to position yourself as a person who's uh, passionate about data science, as a thought leader in the space of data science, and build a name for yourself. And one of those sub-elements in her list was a LinkedIn profile. And here in this podcast with Mark Balloon, we spoke specifically about the LinkedIn profile, plus uh, you can get some additional tips from Mark on how to structure that. So I think together all of that should be quite a robust framework on how you can get your name out there and start getting those opportunities, those job opportunities that you are excited to, that you will be excited to receive. Yeah, so that's uh, what we had today. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as always, you can get the all the resources mentioned in this podcast, all the links, uh, and also a link to Mark's profile, a LinkedIn profile on uh, at the show notes on www.supportdatascience.com slash 73. So don't forget to check that out. And of course, if you have somebody who's interested in a career in data science is maybe struggling to get those job opportunities to build their LinkedIn profile, then I highly encourage you to share this podcast with them. It could really help them out. And on that note, thank you so much for being here. I look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, happy analyzing.